You're listening to Spartan Up Podcast. We're going to interview somebody every week from all over the world and see what they did in their life to become successful, no matter how they defined it. All right, Tyler Wren. All right, welcome back, everybody. As always, we are here in the beautiful Pittsfield barn. And as I've got to my left, I've got Sephra, I've got Johnny, and I've got Joe. And we're going to talk about Tyler Wren, world-class cyclist. Uh, a lot of discussion out there about cyclists, uh, doping, or uh, how do they get to the top, their training techniques and everything else. And I think Tyler's got a kind of an interesting perspective on all this. So I think, uh, I mean, go ahead. I don't, not that I want to give it away, but it was clearly just a lighter bike. That's, that's it. <laughs> not, it wasn't oh, a city you know, bike. A lighter bike. Let, let's just go to the well, wrap then. We don't need to talk. <laughs> we are here for Spartan Up Podcast at the Amy Farm in Pittsfield, Vermont, with Tyler Wren, right over here. Um, you were a professional cyclist. For how many years? 13 years. 13 years. And how old are you? 33. 33. So from 20, well, like when did you become professional? That's right. I, I started in college. Actually, my, my junior year was my first my first pro contract. And by my senior year, I was, I was juggling it pretty hard between schoolwork and writing my thesis on the road, that kind of thing. Did you um, see the movie Break Me Away or something when you were younger? And like, how did you, how'd you end up? become a professional cyclist? Um, I have seen that movie, Breaking Away. That wasn't why I became a professional cyclist. It's a great movie. Um, I think just from an early age, I always knew that uh, following your passions and doing something that's, uh, that you're passionate about is important. My mom was a professional ballerina, so that was kind of instilled for me from, from the beginning. She was also an entrepreneur. So I knew that uh, I, I got into cycling. I came out guns blazing uh, when I got to college. Uh, I knew immediately I fell in love with that sport, and that's what I wanted, wanted to do. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Philadelphia. What did your dad do? He was, a, he was an attorney. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so hardworking, right? I mean, he's obviously attorneys are hardworking, um, but that's ballerina right. is like no joke. I mean, that's... It's no joke. And, you know, you, you, uh, you, if you go to the ballet and you see those athletes up there, it looks effortless, but it's not. It's a lot of hard work. My mom, she, she told me stories about going to sleep in a full split with her head on, on the pillow um, and talk about dedication. I mean, that was a 24-hour day right. job to be, to be a professional athlete like that. Like that. So... so um, He's an attorney. She's a ballerina. They bought you a bicycle for Christmas. How, how did it happen? Uh, that's right. Well, I was, I was a runner originally, and uh, you know, I, running, running was giving me injuries, uh, my, my knee, my ankle, my, uh, my shins. So, so I got a bike, and pretty much immediately I started to go further than I could on, on, on runs, and uh, I fell in love immediately. I uh, uh, got into the collegiate circuit, and pretty soon after that I had my first pro, pro contract. Was it, and this will go into where I'm going deeper on, the whole podcast concept is what drives success doesn't matter ballerina business person lawyer and so my question is was it did you have to win a few races before you were like oh this is good or you know what I mean the success drives success or or well I think uh, for me I think success is very personal you know I, I thought a lot about what uh, what it is that that makes me happy and what what kind of work I want to do and what kind of accomplishments um, I, I want to achieve in my in my life and uh, it's, I think it's, it's not just for professional cycling, but um, for, for, for anything in life. I mean, I, I, uh, as long as you can, you can set goals and you can, you can work hard to achieve them and you can make good, consistent decisions to, to get to those goals, um, that's success for me. And there's always going to be negativity and naysayers and, and, and cheaters out there. Um, but if you can focus on, on your own decisions and what's meaningful to you, um, that's what success means to me. But what about pivoting? Like, like you're, you're two years into this quest. You're going to be just like your mom, as successful as your mom was with ballerina, being a ballerina, you're going to be with cycling, and you're not winning any races two years in. Like, like when do you know to turn around? That, that's a big question I have. Because perseverance will 
maybe get you to a place that you weren't planning on getting to, right? It could be 10 years straight of cycling and you're not Lance Armstrong. Thank, thankfully. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, you know, and, and I thought a lot about that because a few years down the line in my pro cycling career, I got to the point where I was on the bubble and getting to the Tour de France, that's the pinnacle of the sport and that's where everyone wants to go. And I was, I was so close to getting there. I was making calls and these teams were returning my calls, but I wasn't quite getting the contract I needed to get over to Europe full time and to race in the Tour de France. And I actually thought about quitting um, quite a bit and I was, I was applying to business schools. I was ready to leave the sport behind. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, um, I, kind of, I, I kind of refocused my frame of reference. You know, I was getting very bitter about the, um, everything that was going on in the sport. There was, there was doping. Uh, the, the, the winner of the Tour of France, Floyd Landis, tested positive in 2006. Um, that was this kind was of, all, you were at your peak. I was at my peak when all of this was happening. And I, and I raced um, clean throughout my career. And, and I started but every to, cyclist says that. Every cyclist says that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, but you, you start to see everything that's coming out, and um, if you are a clean rider, you get pretty bitter about all these stories that are coming out. At least I did. So you're not necessarily winning. You're not at Tour de France level. Why didn't you just quit? Well, you know, I thought about quitting. You know, I was, I was applying to business school. I, was, I had one foot out the door with cycling, and I was ready to go, and I kind of reframed... Um, my perspective, and, and, I, and I realized this was my one opportunity to, to pursue my dream of, of professional cycling, and once I left that behind, I wasn't gonna have that opportunity again. So you had to go for it. So, so I went for it, and I, and I learned to define my success differently. You know, I didn't define my success on whether I got to the Tour de France or not, whether I was keeping up with the Joneses. It was, it was more about um, what the decisions that I was making and uh, the preparations I was putting into my training and uh, I had, those are the best years of my career after, the, after that point. I started so, so, so you're saying at that moment you realized it was the journey to wherever you're going, not necessarily, not necessarily where you were going. And it was also the, just I wasn't spending any more energy thinking about what everyone else was doing. I was spending all my energy thinking about how to make myself a faster bike rider. Right. And there's, with professional cycling, with any professional athlete, there's no limit to the amount of work you can put into making yourself a better athlete. You know, it's a 24-hour day job. How, how many times did uh, EPO and, and some of the drugs pop into your head? Um, you know, actually, one of my, one of my best uh, performances, my, my kind of crowning achievement was, was this time, this, this race in Chile that, I, that I, um, I, I finished second on the stage. It was this crazy mountaintop finish, and the guy who, who won the stage passed me, breathing through his nose, and I kind of knew in my heart that it, that it, that it wasn't normal. And uh, a couple weeks later, he tested positive. Which kind of which in, I inherited the win, but but to me, even before that happened, standing up there on the podium in second place and knowing all of the teamwork and the commitment and the training that went into that day, it was like an absolutely perfect day for me. And even that, that though I got second place, it was still it was still one of my my uh, my biggest achievements. And uh, then it was further confirmation after that. And so, did you say to yourself at that moment, "I'll never I'll never take the shortcut"? Uh, no, you know, I, it was never like. Taking EPO is never a temptation. I mean, to me, following the rules is, is pretty unremarkable. It's like paying your taxes. That's how, that's how I thought of it. You know, I, I wasn't in these situations where I was being pressured to do it like some of these other stories of the guys on the bigger teams. Um, so it was, never, it was never an option. Yeah, most people uh, take the cookie. Right. You know, right, when, when, when uh, the cookie was put in front of them. And, and in cycling, I would think um, cookies are pretty prevalent. Right. Uh, you know, and, and we found out that they were, but honestly, like once I stopped thinking about what's happening with everyone else and the decisions everyone else are making, I started focusing on my own decisions. That's when uh, the real success came for me on the bike and uh, the real happiness came too. So, so that's interesting, right? Your crowning achievement in your cycling career was second place, 
which ultimately led to first place because the guy was, was cheating. But um, most people we interview don't, they want first at any cost. And so that's interesting. Explain that. That's right. I think there's a lot of people in this uh, sport who have that mentality, the, the winning at no cost mentality. But for me, I think the success, the, kind of the mark that I put on the wall for myself is, to, is, is this journey of uh, self-exploration and seeing how far I can push myself in training every day and at the races. Uh, you always get into these difficult situations where uh, you're testing your will. And uh, I got to spend 13 years of my life traveling the world, getting into these situations and learning about myself, learning the grit that I have. Um, and, and really it was like this, this self-exploration and these, uh, these tests that I gave to myself that were really the fulfilling thing in the end. It wasn't about, um, it wasn't about the, the victory all the time. It was about the satisfaction of that whole process. So you know, what is it? There's a famous quote. Um, what really defines you is how you react to those obstacles, right, when, they, when, they, when you face them. And so I, I, I agree with you. I think um, a lot of people don't get to test themselves. Right? There's very few people that get to cycle at your level. There's very few people that, on a percentage basis of 7 billion people on Earth, that, that get out there and really push themselves to their limits. And I don't know, you don't really know yourself unless you do that, do you? Right. No, I think you're right. And I don't think you have to be at the pinnacle of the sport to test yourself. You know, you just have to find... You have to, be uh, at your, you have to hit your limits. Exactly. Whatever they are. Limits. Mental yeah. and physical limits. Yeah, right? I mean, I can get to those limits... In November, when I'm the most out of shape at the end of the season, I can get those limits in July when I'm at the peak of my physical form. Um, it's just about the relative uh, limits of yourself, and you can get out there in training and, and get to that point where you're really struggling and you know, uh, you know you're battling in your head and, and looking for ways to move forward. Because anybody could be a good person when things are easy. Right. Right? Right, it's, exactly. It's try being a good person and doing the right thing when things are tough. But, but I, I, let's talk about business, but let's take a break, and then we'll come back and... Uh, and look at the new chapter in your life. That's, okay. That might be more difficult than, than trying to get in the Tour de France. I think so. I hope you're not sitting still while you listen. If you are, you better get a burpee break in. All right, so we're back. We're going to talk about this new business you started. Is the new business called the Farm to Fork? For, oh, it's Renegade, Renegade Sports. That's right. And, and it, you have this vision of putting on these awesome bike races around the globe. That's right. So, um, you know, one of my professors in college told me once, he said, uh, he called this thing the shower test. He said, when you wake up in the morning, you're in the shower, what is it that's that you're thinking about what's what's spinning your wheels what are you motivated to do you know and for for the last 13 years it's been making myself a faster bike rider and and uh and training and now it's starting to it's it's changing over the last two years it's been changing for me now i'm really thinking about uh organizing innovative unique boutique events um, and that's what i'm putting all my energy into with renegade sports in the sport that you know best which is which is cycling you're not going to branch out into um, other sports, are you? Uh, not at the moment. Yeah, I'm right. focusing on cycling. I have this great opportunity here with all the contacts I have in the industry and my, yeah. my reputation. I'm trying to, to do something different, you know, and uh, in the same way, you know, I'm trying to define my success uh, in my own terms. You know, I, I have a mission statement for this business. You know, I'm trying to whip up the perfect combinations of, of health, community, social good, and fun into these unique um, cycling events. events. Yeah, and, and I have guiding principles that I printed out I put it up on my, in my office wall, and I, and I look to those uh, whenever I'm making decisions about the events, about my business. Does, um, it, does it fit the principles? Does this decision I'm making fit those principles? Exactly. I like that. I, I, um, we're big believers in um, <clears throat> beliefs and values, and so your beliefs are your arrows, and your values are the targets. And yeah. so somebody might have this value and say, you know what, I value being healthy, but they believe it's okay to have a cigarette every day. Right. 
you're never going to hit the target. Right. Right. And so that's what you're doing. Basically, you're making sure you, you align and you hit your target. Exactly. Exactly. Right? And, it, and it makes it hard to forget those, uh, those principles when I write them down and I, and I look at them every day. In the shower, too? No, not in the shower. <laughs> so, um, and you're recently married. That's right. And um, starting a business is probably harder, I think, I don't know if you agree with this, than doing what you did in cycling. And so is it putting pressure on the relationship? It's tough. Yeah, you know, my wife, uh, we actually got married in Pittsfield, uh, which is how I know you guys. Right, right here. That's right. Yeah. Um, and my wife, uh, she's supporting me as I get this thing off the ground, which is, which is really great of her. Um, but it is stressful, you know, because just like cycling, this is a 24-hour-a-day job. And there's no limit to the amount of work that I can put into making my business better. So it's, it's hard for me. I, I kind of have this myopic focus sometimes, just like I did with cycling. Um, and it's hard for me to take a step back and have perspective in my life and to have balance. Um, but that's... It's good, you know. Once you, when you have balance, everything everything comes comes are, better. Are you able to shut it down? Because I can't. <laughs> I um, I try to, you know. I'm sitting down with people, and you're saying, "All right, let me enjoy yeah. the moment." But my mind is racing on finishing those tasks or the business. Are you? Where are you? I'm I'm the same way, you know. And, and the funny thing is, is that. Uh, I've kind of put away my, my working out. You know, for, for the last for the last four months, as I've started this business, it's been hard for me to get out the door and get out for a bike ride, to get yeah. out for a run. You know, yeah. it's like it's kind of ironic because I'm, I'm I'm doing a business that I'm trying to rip people off the couch and get them active, sure. but at the same time, I'm so focused on making this the best I can be that it's uh, it's hard for me to have that balance. It's um, I think it's virtually impossible. I think. Sometimes I started to think that the only people I can truly communicate with on the same wavelength are entrepreneurs yeah. because only an entrepreneur would get it, yeah. right? They, your back's always against the walls, always a gun to your head. Yeah. And um, any partners or you did it by yourself? No, I, I don't have any partners. It's my own business. My wife is my partner. She's, she's my, my design team. She designed the t-shirt here. It, it's a beautiful t-shirt. It's awesome. This is the event that I'm putting on here in Pittsfield. Love it. And what's the date on that event? Uh, July 12th. July 12th, the farm to fork. So we're going to eat on the farm? That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, so, so the, the vision for this event is um, I was trying to think of uh, the story to tell here in Pittsfield. Um, yeah. You know, I want my events to tell a story. And uh, here in Vermont, um, the, the local agriculture is uh, such an important aspect of the state. You know, you look at the, the postcards here at the general store and it's cows, red barns, beautiful pastures. Right. And you start looking into uh, the statistics here in Vermont, and uh, really, the farms are under a lot of pressure. The local farms, yeah. you know, the dairy farms are in decline. Um, the state's iconic postcard uh, status is, is in is in trouble. So I'm trying to um, support the local farms with this event. We have aid stations along the way at at local farms. Love it. I was just going to suggest it. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm one step ahead of you. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, it's, it, we want to sample the bounty of these farms along the way and, to, and support their efforts yeah. to maintain the landscape. Because as cyclists, I'm taking it one step further than the farm-to-table thing because it's healthy to eat these locally sourced meals, but it's also important for us to support these landowners who preserve the open space that we enjoy so much on our bikes. Yeah, so like I might yeah. stop along the way at mile 10 and get an eggplant. And then go another 10 miles and get a glass of milk. Or yep. Well, we, we've got a maple, maple syrup stop. We've got right. a stop at a winery. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's the idea. Have you ever had a uh, maple milkshake? I have not, although I heard that we were doing, uh, we we were doing those. those yeah, yeah, we were doing those. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. So, um, so you're not able to shut it off. Your wife's supporting you. Um, it's probably not profitable yet, I would assume, because it's too early on. That's right. And and um, you nervous? I'm nervous. You know, we uh, we just had we just launched the uh, the website. You know, I put about two months of hard work into organizing the whole event, getting the routes dialed, getting the partners on board. 
have this big launch. We send thousands of emails out. I get thousands of impressions on social media, and the first day, it's just it's just crickets. crickets. Nobody signed oh, up. Scary. It's just crickets. It's it's it scared the hell out of me, you know. Right. And then the second day, we got a few, and then the third day, a few more, and the, the ball started rolling. Oh, good. Um, but it's. It's, it's scary, you know, it's, it's an uncertain outcome. You're putting a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money yeah. into getting some, something off the ground and you don't know where it's gonna go. It's a certain stomach uh, required to be an entrepreneur, right? Because you're right, you don't know the outcome. You That's don't right. know the finish line. Um, and you're investing your entire life, everything you got into it. And I don't think, um, yeah, I'm sure you have some employees. I, I do, uh, well not, they're just, just contractors, no full-time yeah. employees yet. Yeah. Um, but you're, you know, you're, and I think uh, one of the things that's funny is that uh, my, my wife always tells me that uh, as a cyclist, I have a skewed sense of risk, and I think that can be an asset as an entrepreneur sometimes. Yeah. Because you know, to be a successful cyclist, you have to plummet down a mountainside at 50 miles an hour and squeeze into the holes that aren't there. So you kind of have this, um, you know, skewed sense of risk, and I think sometimes you need to take a risk in business to to be successful. I mean, all the time you have to. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of an asset for me, although it's good to have her as a partner to, to reel me in when the, when the risk is too big. And you gotta be able to, I think you agree with this, you gotta be able to make quick decisions. So you came up here, we met, and you were like, we're putting on a farm to fork Fondo and we don't have much time, let's do it. Absolutely, yeah, right? you, you gave me the opportunity. It wasn't yeah. the right conditions. I wish I had a few more months, but I knew it was a good opportunity, so I went for it. And made it we made it happen really quickly. Like you said, like cycling downhill full speed and making a quick right turn, because I don't know, that moment of opportunity exists. Absolutely, there's a crash right. in front of you, you gotta get out of the way. All, it happens mm -hmm. all the time. Do you think all that cycling and now building this business has, has helped you create something we call obstacle immunity, where um, we all face obstacles, right? And some are better adapted at dealing with it than, than others. You think that's helped you? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think um, every, every day you face obstacles. Every day there's, there's something that comes up that was unexpected. And, uh, you know, I think when I have the perspective of, I, I spent 13 years of my life building towards something, and uh, there was always huge mountains to climb. And you get intimidating. You get to the start of it, and you and you feel terrible. You don't think you can make it, um, and then six hours later, you're still going. You know, you wake up on day seven of a stage race, and you're sore. You can hardly walk around, and you get on your bike and you keep going, and you start to realize. Uh, you know, your frame of reference changes. You start to realize that uh, you can accomplish these things. That these these obstacles that come into your way um, are going to be surmount surmountable. So, um, so give the millions of podcast listeners out there some advice um, that are trying to get motivated, get off the couch, maybe start a business, uh, who knows, maybe cycle. Sure. Well, I think it can be intimidating when you think about, uh, about uh, doing a big training plan or getting out for a big ride or starting a business. But uh, I always remember there's this quote, um, the journey, journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. I don't know if anyone said that on this podcast before. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just getting out the door. That's the hardest part. It's the simplest part, but it's the hardest part. Um, you know, when I'm struggling to, to motivate to get out the door for, for a workout or to open my computer and start working, um, I just say, I just, need to, I just need to get started. You know, I need, to, I need to put on my clothes, get out the door, and even if I don't, if I just plan to go around the block, getting out the door, it's going to start to get easier after that. I, um, I do that with burpees every day. I, I don't want to do them ever. Yep. And I say, I'm just going to do one. Yep. And one leads to two, leads to four, leads to six. Yeah. Yep. You just keep going. Absolutely. Good stuff. That was awesome. Uh, I've got a t-shirt for you too. Awesome. The farm to fork Fondo. So Fondo is the technical term for... Um, the type of ride in Italy where we have a big mass start. We're going to have 500 people lined up at, yep. at Riverside Farm all, all leaving together. Nice. Um, so it's, it's the style of ride. What do you guys think? I think Tyler is 
pretty awesome. Uh, I believe him. I don't yeah. think I don't think he he went the route of drugs. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think it's got to be hard to do to be around it, mm-hmm. see your competitors beating you doing it, and not and not doing it yourself. There's a pretty good lesson in integrity when he talked about. Um, that it never really occurred to him to do. It wasn't that it wasn't around him, but it just was something that didn't appeal to him. But he did say that he was considering quitting the sport because he said, I'm getting beat by guys. They're clearly cheating. I'm never going to beat them. And it wasn't until he realized, I can only control what I do. And if I can just let go of what they do and not let that impact me, yeah, I'm not going to win. He said his most proud moment was the race that he finished second in, that he later was given first because the other guy tested positive. He said even before he got the first, he said, I knew I'd rid ridden an incredible race and I finished second that's great it wasn't about being first anymore and you asked him you said you know we talked to a lot of guys who number one is the only option and he said I would have gone crazy I was in a sport where that wasn't going to happen unless I was cheating right isn't that the biggest lesson like um not just from this podcast but just some of the stuff we 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 do every every week here is um just you got to worry about you yeah yeah. right right not worry like what you can control and what you what your goal is your individual goal what you can control what you stand for your environment right what your legacy is going to be yeah and then you know what 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 you'll settle for and i I don't mean settle in a a negative term but i mean what what can you achieve how far can you go Mm -hmm. without cheating Mm -hmm. i mean for some people as you said you know win it win at all costs you know when you get to the 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 international world-class level at anything it's a lot of those people is win at all costs you know whether it's drugs or again failed marriages or terrible lives or whatever they're just going for one objective I think I think uh, he was very well balanced, and I think you know he said I can only get this far without taking these drugs or whatever, and that became good enough, which I, I think is to be applauded. It's it's funny actually. I just want to. It's an observation that cycling is a sport that we just cannot talk about anymore without talking about cheating. Right. It's incredible, and now it's going to be the new thing with soccer. Like you know, it, with as far as the the scandals going on and whatnot, it must be frustrating. You think back to Tyler for a guy who's dedicated his life to a sport that means so much to him. And yet the very first thing we talk about is, is cheating in it. So I'm, I, I want to apologize to Tyler from the standpoint that on behalf of the world that your sport is, is that tainted when, and it means so much to you. So, yeah, no, I said right up front he should be applauded. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, exactly. And I, and, I, and I stick with it. And I, and I, yeah, wait, you didn't bring that up, but I just mean it is crazy. It is there's crazy. a lot of sports. At yeah. the end of the day, in my opinion, this, people are going to hate me for this, but the bar is going to continually, continually be lowered to um, satisfy the masses, mm-hmm. right? the masses are going to want to play that game, whether it's baseball, foot, we see it everywhere. It's just in cycling we talk about it. So, so how do you mean the, 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 which bar is going to be lowered? The ethical bar? or The, the ethical bar. So, so that will just make it easier and easier to be able to do it? I think so. I th- I, or it'll just be accepted. You, you Here remember? at Spartan, we do, raised the ethical bar. Oh, we raised the bar, but, but, um, but we're not drug testing one million That's athletes uh, this year. There are, there are people that cheat in burpees. Mm-hmm. Huh. Right. I do mean, you, do, be, you guys, do you guys remember the great? Sorry, I just have to, yeah. the great Saturday Night Live episode. It was the All Drug Olympics, <laughs> where they decided that what they do they have the the clean Olympics and the All Drug Olympics, and the guy <laughs> was lifting like two thousand pounds just tore his arms off of the shoulders. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you are right. That may be the path they're ultimately on with sports in general. But I, I do want to get back to Tyler because sorry, I, which I, is I, why I it's through. so wonderful when you see somebody that sticks by his guns. Yeah, yeah. and says no, that's not the game I'm playing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, and, and he realized that the game that was there for him to play. Yep. And he talked about when he was about to quit and he said, no, I've got a chance to be a professional athlete and do it right. And the game that was there for him to play was cycle as hard as I can, train as hard as I can, be as good as I can and be grateful for it. 
yeah. and not worry what anyone else is doing. So that's huge. It's like it's like Robin. It's like Robin, right? It's like what she said. She said, find what you're good at, find what you're passionate about, and go. And you know, mm-hmm. and he found it. And that's such a you know, tip your hat to someone when they find how, their passion. How tall was he? Talent. Mm-hmm. He looked tall. I say five five ten, five eleven. I mean, he looked like he was built for speed. You're looking. Yeah. He looked a lot taller, but yeah, whether it was running or bicycling, he looked like he was going to move out. Yeah. Well, speaking well, of speaking moving of out, out, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. time for right. us to head back to the interweb. So, if you would like to find out more um, about our healthy nutrition lives and cycling, go to SpartanUpPodcast.com. Thanks for listening. The Spartan Up Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Race. To find a race near you, visit Spartan.com. For show notes, video, and audio from this episode, please visit SpartanUpPodcast.com backslash 043.